welcome to another episode of Just Conversations with Jamal and Nate. I'm Jamal Adams. And I'm Nate Sessoms. Welcome back and thank you all for joining us. For those of you who might be new to the space, Just Conversation is a podcast that's positioned at the nexus of faith and all matters pertaining to race, justice, and Catholic education. We highlight historical and current happenings in the realm of diversity, equity, inclusion, and anti-racism while focusing on solutions, system changes, and the amplification of voices working to create a more just and egalitarian society for all. Each episode, we engage in authentic yet provocative dialogue seasoned with critical perspectives, scholarship, and life experiences. We also conduct interviews, moderate panel discussions featuring campus and community leaders, interrogate issues related to mission and identity, and answer live questions from listeners. Ultimately, we aim to increase levels of awareness while normalizing conversations on all forms of oppression and marginalization. And central to our, our work, we ascribe to the idea that there's room for everyone in the movement. So no matter how much you know or don't, we invite you to engage with us. Because after all, these are just conversations. And as a reminder, we love to hear your ideas and thoughts. So make sure you send us a note, um, an idea, a question uh, to justconversations at ignatiansolidarity.net. Again, that's justconversations at ignatiansolidarity.net. Brother Nate, how we doing today? What's going on, brother? I am I'm good. What's going on uh in your life? Did, did you uh did, did you um uh, well I was going to say it, it's it's good to talk to you. I see you made it through uh another another few weeks here. It's always it's always good to <laughs> to connect, you know, in today's day and age when you when you're doing this kind of work and and we all connect and get ready to do this. It's always like, okay, my brother is good. He's safe. His family's yeah. good, you know. So Yeah, we're good. I mean, we're in the throes of a great summer. I would tell you that uh, the month of July is exciting and um, uh, I would say thought-provoking. I've got two opportunities. Uh, I'll be joining um, some strategic planning on the LaSallean side around uh, how DEI uh, B on our side, the BB and belonging, uh, really uh, can be integrated into a strategic plan for the whole district um, nice. over the next four to five years. And then I'm um, excited. I'm part of a group of folks that are going to be um, doing some training for educators at St. Mary's College up in Moraga at the end of the month. Um, so I've been kind of working hard on kind of getting my my keynote together for that. And so nice. a lot of this stuff has been on my mind. Um, but at the same time, you know, um, really trying to lean into some rest and relaxation. You know, there's we can keep battling and working. And and, and you and I talk about the emotional toll sometimes of this work. Um and I know that I got to make sure I get some rest so I can be my best self when my best self is being called for. So how about yourself? How are you, you treating the summer right now? Uh, uh, similar to, to, to what you shared. Very similar. Actually, I'm teaching uh, summer school at the university. So I just finished one course on uh, social inequality. So we got into uh, uh, race, uh, class, and gender. I had an outstanding awesome. group of students. Um, and then just started, we just started our second uh, summer session, which is which is kind of scary that we're into the second summer <laughs> session. Like, where's the summer hey, going? What the gone? What is going on? <laughs> uh, but we just started a class on uh, urban sociology. So uh, great, Ooh. great students at LMU get a chance to engage. And summer classes are, you know, a little smaller, and you can you can dive into some topics, um, you know, at, at at a deeper level and um, 
get a chance to connect with students one on one, and uh, it's 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 I really enjoy summer school. But to your point, um, I think it's it's important. You know, I I too have been trying to figure out you know ways to to uh, just breathe and um, spend some time in reflection and and mm-hmm. relaxation and just you know power down. Uh, so that when I need to power up, I'm, I'm ready to roll. So. Amen. Amen. Uh, I mean, it sounds exciting. I might have to sneak into one of your classes uh, yeah. um, one of these days uh, and, and, and drop in on you. You know, um, I, I, I'm totally down for that. That would be great. I do think that you just stop by the, the registrar's office and pay the tuition. <laughs> I, I thought I knew you, man. Come show, on, you know, man. Show, man. See, see, that's how we get in trouble. See, I'm, exactly. I'm, here, I'm here with Nate. And then they'd be like, all right, Nate, you, you've been removed. Uh, your service is no longer required. Trying to bring in, no. the, trying to bring in communities. No doubt about it, man. No doubt about it. But you man. know, that's that's also the love of brotherhood, right? We be, yes, sir. Right there's uh, there, there's that expectation. So now it's all good. But th- I'm excited about today, man. This is our 12th episode, man, and yeah. I'm really thinking. It feels like about a year ago when uh, the Ignatius Solidarity Network reached out to us and asked us if we were interested in this idea. It took us a little while to like get our minds around it, what we wanted to do. Um, and Lord knows, uh, and, and I, I don't say this to make an excuse, but you know, our schedules are awfully busy. Um, and so we work our tails off to kind of find some time to make these. And uh, I'm just really excited that we're in our 12th episode and, and almost a year anniversary. And uh, I think there's still plenty to talk about. And um, uh, today would be a good time to maybe, you know, it's it's been a, another kind of, milestone it's been kind of like two years since we were in the throes of the summer of 2020 uh which which was definitely a watershed moment for kind of this work and our world we were in the middle of the pandemic and and and, uh and some of the some of the things i know i'll kind of flip to you here in a second to talk about but um i thought it'd be interesting to talk a little bit about the context that we live in how does that relate to catholic higher ed and secondary ed maybe talk about some of the difficulties and the impediments uh, that continue to kind of sit in the in the work as it's currently constituted, and then at the end maybe talk some strategies, maybe harken back to some of the things that we've already done in the, the pod to help people kind of like um, regird themselves as they also take the summer to get ready for next school year um, and kind of go from there. Does that sound like a plan? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think. Um, uh, it, well, first, it's it's uh, I hadn't quite realized it's been it's been. I mean, I can see it. You know, when we when we look at the the site and from people that chime in and say things like, "Oh, you know, I heard episode seven, or I listened to episode nine, or you know," but to hear you say that this is our twelfth episode, it's like, "Wow, that is kind of right. flown by." Um, but uh, shout out to ISN, uh, it's, it's a great big shout out. Um, and um, you know, I, I I mean, I guess it's a good thing for the sake of the podcast. It's it's it's. It's a sad thing for society that we that we end up with a lot, with always having a lot to talk about uh, with <laughs> right. respect to trying to create a better world, a more just, and equitable world. Um, but but certainly the the context of uh, higher ed, secondary ed, uh, or Catholic higher ed and secondary ed, I should say, uh, have have been impacted uh, in, in a number of ways by um, you know I'll say you mentioned the, the last two years, but. You know, and, and I'll join you in saying, you know, recent attempts aimed at, you know, dehumanizing people or, you know, the erosion of democracy in this country. Um, you know, to your point, we saw uh, this global movement that 
sort of centered on uh, the murder of George Floyd. But also, I mean, it wasn't just George Floyd. It was uh, Breonna Taylor. It was uh, Maud Aubrey. And it was um, shortly after uh, George Floyd, it, it, was, it was Jacob Blake. Um, and so, you know, the ideas of, uh, you know, how do we hold police accountable? Um, you know, these ideas about defunding the police, which wasn't necessarily new, but certainly gained a lot of traction and ended up on a lot of ballots shortly thereafter. Um, uh, we saw the, the sort of immediate move to stand with black community and, and in particular uh, endorse or align with uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, people were creating statements, companies, schools creating statements around equity and, um, and, and, and a lot of uh, diversity, equity, inclusion positions um, were uh, created so that people could sort of stay, you know, on top of this work. And, you know, we got away from the annual discussion on race and, um, you know, now uh, people are uh, seem much more willing to have that conversation on a regular basis. Because because society is holding institutions and schools accountable in in, in particular in particular ways, um, and of course we've seen right. Uh, Ibram Kendi always talks about whenever you see racial progress, we tend to see racist progress, and so um, sadly uh, we've seen this backlash to uh, you know diversity, equity, inclusion, and anti racism work, uh, particularly you know across the board, but certainly within educational spaces, whether it's been. You know, all of the the talk around uh, critical race theory, uh, you know, book banning. Uh, we've seen um, from a from a broader perspective, anti LGBT uh, legislation and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on. And, um, you know, all of these things impact, you know, students experience them in in their, uh, you know, their home communities and in the higher ed space. They bring them to campus, you know their opinions and the opinions of their parents and what they're hearing on the news and on podcasts um, and, of course, on social media. Um, and, and, you know, it, it sets up an interesting context for uh, agreement, disagreement, collaboration, friction, you know, and, and, and all the above. So, uh, so yeah, there's a lot to talk about. A lot to talk yeah. about. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it sets up for what, what can be a, a really, really interesting episode. Yeah, I'm hoping, um, you know, uh, we can dive a little deeper into some of those concepts. We'll definitely do that in kind of the next um, piece. But uh, I think these issues really continue to highlight, right, that that uh, school leaders, and me included in this, while in the midst of navigating a, a global pandemic that isn't done with us, um, that we as Catholic leaders, school leaders, uh, leaders in the church, um, need to continue to ensure, right, that our schools and universities are able to live out their mission. Um, that are able to, you know, speech our, our gospel values, that are all able to offer a robust a robust education kind of in the classic sense, while um, making sure that faculty, staff, students, families, all that interact with our communities uh, that come from a variety uh, of backgrounds and identities feel welcome and supported, um, particularly to be their most authentic self. So, um we're going to get into all of that as we keep going, but right now we're going to get to break. So please stay with us and we will be right back. Start your week by asking, how can we rise up to address injustice? 
Every Monday morning, listen to voices from the Ignatian Network reflect, explore, and respond to injustice through the lens of Ignatian spirituality and the previous Sunday's daily readings. Subscribe for free to Rise Up, a weekly call to solidarity, and receive written and audio reflections in your inbox each Monday morning. Visit igsoul.net slash rise dash up. That's I-G-S-O-L dot net slash rise dash up to subscribe and start reading or listening today. So we're back and uh, dialoguing today about the current state of affairs with respect to diversity, equity, inclusion work and anti-racism work, uh, specifically focused um, in our areas, the space that we occupy both in uh, Catholic higher ed, Catholic um, universities, higher ed and uh, secondary schools. Right. And uh, we're going to continue to kind of like um, kind of unpack some of the things that we spoke about in episode, uh, I'm sorry, in the first uh, segment of this episode. Uh, and then also spend some time talking about a little bit of the emotions um, that often create barriers for this work. And so um, I'll kind of set us off and then pass it to you, Nate. But like, uh, yeah. I think our first point in the last um, segment, we talked about, you know, maintaining the momentum that was created, you know, right. um, two years ago after um, both, uh, you know, Americans were living indoors. Uh, we were watching um, kind of the jurisprudence play itself out around uh, the murders of Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery and uh, George Floyd, um, uh, as well as Jacob Blake. We've seen kind of mixed results as it relates to the actual, like, legal outcomes of those cases. Um, um, but, it, you know, it's, it's uh, I guess what I would say, you know, I think about maintaining the momentum uh, there was just like again a frenzy of uh, of, of work at that time, and now um, it feels like we're back kind of into those days of uh, what I would suggest is like you know continue to prove that this work um, and maybe even the perspective around like um, uh, the black experience in America uh, is back to kind of like you know prove it uh, type of stage, right? And that we're we're having to um, invite leadership to kind of like reimagine and open their hearts and minds back up to like the uniqueness of what it means to be black or, or to be people of color and all those different places. Or as you alluded to earlier, even those that uh, would find themselves um, um, and categorize themselves in the LGBTQ um, um, spectrum. So, um, you know, when I think about maintaining momentum, um, it's the idea again about the, that this work is central to our, uh, to our charisms. Yeah, I would agree. I, I mean, I think, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna go even, um, I'm gonna be even more direct, Jamal. We we watched the murder of George Floyd. Amen. We watched it, right? I mean, you, and I think that's what stung a lot of people. Uh, I think that divided uh, us into a couple of camps. One group, as you very well know, you know, we're watching it and we're like, yep, they 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 got it on tape. Not the first time it was on tape. Right, the beating of right. Rodney King was on tape, uh, and and you know led to four acquittals. But <laughs> this time it's on tape. We got an image of those who are sworn to protect and serve, uh, sort of walling off this situation, like kind of keeping bystanders back from being able to save this guy, while a police officer has his knee on the on the neck of uh, of a citizen, right. I mean, just that image, I think, got a lot of people, uh, caught people off guard. And as I mentioned, there are two camps, right? One one group is like, they got this on tape. Another group's like, I can't believe that happened. Right. Right? Which puts us on, it, it's, it has this polarizing effect. Because then the next question is, well, how come 
how come you didn't know that that happens? Right. Most, a lot of us imagine that happens pretty regularly. Um, right. And other folks are like, I can't believe that in America these things would happen. Something like this would happen in broad daylight where, I, in my, you know, when, when we're driving around, I'm like, man, I hope, I hope uh, you know, I don't get pulled over and, and uh, this doesn't happen to me <laughs> in broad daylight. Like, right. you know, that's that's pretty common thought for a lot of us. Um, and I think that was obviously a moment that people got, they got into this moment. They saw mm-hmm. the video. Uh, the people we watched the trial, we saw the bystanders one by one come up on the stand and they're crying. They're emotionally distraught. Um, and we start to see the damage that the, the, at a, at a much greater scale, uh, well beyond, you know, the tragic loss of George Floyd and how this impacts his, uh, family, how, how people all over the world were impacted by, you know, the fact that that happened and being, and, and watching it. Um, but but in addition to it being a moment, it also spawned a movement. Amen. Right, and and not just George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and the injustice there. Um, you know, the idea that a lot of people would not have known that Breonna Taylor was murdered had it not been. And I still think they're doing an amazing job. But the WNBA dedicated their season, and uh, the playoffs. Uh, WNBA and NBA players won the bubble that year. Um, you know, there was a lot of Brianna's name was, was, you know, all over a lot of the WNBA right. merchandise and on the court and mm-hmm. the dedicated Say their their name. season. Right. Right. Say her name, um, uh, is, and, and, and always will be prominent, but there's a movement, uh, uh, and I just, you know, Ahmaud Aubrey, uh, and in, and in, in August, uh, of 2020, Jacob Blake, there's a movement that is spawned from you know, all of this, a globe, you know, global protest, but also heightened levels of awareness around, wait a minute, that can't happen anymore. Like, we, we can't talk to people that way. Uh, we can't um, maintain an environment where uh, women are making less money than men, or we, you know, we don't acknowledge uh, the ways in which uh, people of color have been treated historically uh, and, and currently. Uh, you know, not acknowledging uh, the LGBTQ plus community, like all, all you know, oppressed and marginalized uh, populations could in that moment and through that movement, you know, see themselves and stand up and say, you know, this has been, this isn't just historical. This is happening on a regular basis. We need to bring about changes and we not get to hold institutions accountable in ways that perhaps uh, we haven't previously, or we have, but it wasn't, there hasn't been this sort of widespread uh, attention placed on it, right? Yeah, um, I mean, I think you bring up such a point of point, right? And like that camp thing is like that there was definitely like, for those of us in the work, right? We were dealing with like, um, I guess what I would, would say without trying to be disrespectful, the newly awakened, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and did we have enough space and grace in our hearts to, you know, to understand, as you said, like, and not to kind of like want to fire back, like, where have you been? Right. And so, right. Uh, so, so very, very, in a very point way, right. Um, those folks were, were added to, to the, to the board, you know, to the, to the, to the movement, to the movement. Yeah. And, um, and, and we got to work and, and I think you said something very poignant in the, in the first uh, segment of this episode talking about, uh, Dr. Kennedy, and that the idea that there's uh, at any time we have race racial progress, that we have racist progress, and and I would suggest, like you know, it's um, also been disheartening, um, as you said a little bit in terms of like we're watching um, 
the erosion of democracy, you know, this, this current trial playing out around uh, the January 6th insurrection. Uh, we're seeing um, all this legislation that's come about around, including like in Florida, the uh, don't say gay kind of legislation. And, and we're seeing um, LGBTQ rights and particularly transgender rights uh, for youth um, kind of being trampled on by state legislatures. Um, in different places and, and making, um, you know, access to some of the things that we would consider to be uh, one's human and civil rights um, to be thwarted for those of our brothers and sisters uh, that, 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 um, that identify as such. Um, and so, um, and, and even like, you know, as educators, um, I, you know, I, I, I chuckle a little bit in terms of like the, the book bans and um, in a very real way, right? We as Americans who hold so strongly to like the First Amendment and our right to speech, I think also have in that um, I would argue an extension of that is our, is our right to information and, and to, to to and take it as we want. And just the the idea and imagination that like books that are kind of like um, steeped in kind of really truthful historical perspective and context around um, the the founding of our country and the founding of racism in our country you know, are banned in public libraries and public schools. And so um, it all makes for kind of like, uh, I would argue like two years later, a disconcerting space for practitioners. And um, and really um, the idea that we've got to like kind of re-entrench ourselves to build allyships and accomplices. Um, and I, I, I guess I, I would say that it feels like we're back in that kind of space in which we got to re-fortify the troops to get back in um, and uh, and make a difference. Yeah, I, I think I definitely think people are people have been obviously there have been people that have been engaged in this work for a very long time, um, and that was one of the points we raised in a previous episode about self care and and you know I, I think I speak for both of us when I, I highlight that you know this work's a marathon, it's not a sprint, and so mm-hmm. the idea you have to build uh, self care into mm-hmm. into the work. So uh, being able to step away, you know, obviously being all in is, is a part of it, but stepping away and, and being able to breathe and, um, you know, take care of yourself, get yourself centered, uh, prayer, meditation, journaling, reflection, all of those things, um, going for walks, all that's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a must. Um, uh, but I think to your point, Jamal, I think, uh, a lot, and, and you and I both talked to a lot of um, individuals who work uh, in and around schools. Um, we work in schools. Um, uh, sort of the, the this backlash that you highlighted uh, with the book banning and and the the, the you know the the legislation that uh, you know cuts across uh, and. Uh, seeking to take away uh, civil rights and, and you know, this overall erosion of democracy uh, has done a few things, right? It's, it's, it's certainly stunted communication because people come to work with strong ideas and opinions, of course, but they don't, you know, schools have never been a place where, you know, you don't come to work and say, by the way, uh, we need to defund the police. Right. right, right. I mean, that's just not what someone's going to come or, or right. maybe they're I'm sure there are people that have. Right. And, and and I'm sure some of them probably lost their jobs. 
Right. Right. They, they went to work, said what made them feel good, and then they went home feeling bad. <laughs> right. Um, right. Right. Or you know, people come. You know, there, there are these. Uh, you know, the, this whole idea around uh, CRT, um, which has um, been, I think, for a lot of people, a major distraction. Uh, I know I've entered spaces, and before I even share my thoughts around anti-racism or begin to try to to uh, share information around what anti-racism is, right? We can't even get to the definition of anti-racism without someone saying, hey, are you here to talk about CRT? You right. know, and it's like, wait a minute, what, what are we talking about? But these, you know, all these ideas that were, that were pushed forward around um, CRT being taught in elementary schools, I mean, um, <laughs> it, it's, you know, it, this is a way to scare people, right? If you want to scare right. people, talk about something happening with their kids, right? And here come parents running uh, to the table to say, hey, wait a minute, when, what's this we're hearing about, you know, uh, you know uh, lessons that uh, 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 highlight all white people being racist and all of this, which is not, CRT is not being taught in schools. You only mm-hmm. learn it in, in law school. Um, while it is rooted in anti-racism, uh, it's not being taught in it's not being taught in schools. It's not. But if we can, it, anything that serves to keep us away from thinking about equity, that that takes us off that road to become our best selves uh, and our best best version of our institutions, right? It, it is a win for those who uh, are of the belief that uh, they're being replaced, or right. <laughs> uh, you know, a a a a a win in the equity column. Uh, is re- really translates to a law a personal loss for them, right? So so I think that's that's uh, uh, the way I would describe a lot of what's happening. What's making it difficult um, for for practitioners and, and and individuals who work in schools. I think ultimately, and I'll be honest with you, Jamal. I mean, we both grew up uh, with uh, one or both of our parents uh, being educators, um, uh, or or at least having family members that were educators. Amen. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I never thought I'd see a day when when uh, people were saying, "Let's get rid of books." Right. Like I just never thought I would see that. I, I mean, that's just if you know, we grew up, th- you know, hearing and believing that knowledge is power. Uh-huh. Uh, wh- you know, whether there are books in a library that I don't care to read, or I'm going to uh, go to the other side of the library because I'm not ready to engage with those books yet. But the overall like getting rid of books and banning them is uh, something that is really uh, just hard, I think, for a lot of people to wrap their mind around. But what it does is it stops us from really having a healthy sense of the history of this country and the ways that, um, you know, oppressed and marginalized uh, populations have been treated, right? If we know our history, uh, you know, we're in a better position to avoid repeating it. Um, and and I have to believe personally that that, that, is one of the strategies is to make sure that people don't know uh, because what's the first claim that a lot of times Jamal we've gotten when we've been in spaces talking about these things and, and people have their epiphany and they go, Oh my God, I didn't know. Right. Right. And, and, and that is one of the challenges. If people, you know, uh, grandma used to always say, if people knew better, they do better. Amen. Right. If people don't know, then how can we hold them accountable to engage in behaviors and, and the light that, that, uh, lead to more equity. So yep. um, I, I'll hand it back to you, my friend, but I just yeah. wanted to highlight the ways in which 
you know, this backlash has sort of impacted, uh, you know, our circles and our, our, our spheres of influence. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 we were talking kind of pre-show, like, right, it gets, it stunts communication. Um, it really, as you said, it really leads into this, like, space of, of fear. There's this um, interesting, I kind of think, you know, uh, the other side of the coin on the, on the books and, and the not teaching of, of, of factual history or truthful history um, is like this avoidance of young people. We want to avoid them having to live in the emotions of guilt and shame, um, you know, which uh, are some of the greatest motivators in, in the history of humanity, right? I've got people to do better things yep. and do stuff. Yep. And then specifically, you know, kind of in my role as a principal, right? Um, this is definitely added pressure to our leaders, right? You know, oftentimes feeling, trapped um between wanting to guide and provide a quality education as i talked about um that's rooted in facts while you have kind of these like attacks um from parent groups and social medias and in some cases that um and even like diocesan leaders you know um archbishops and things of those sorts that are you know making um the work harder that are saying that these are like you know antithetical to the gospel and to the church and to the to to the teachings of the church um, you know, again, create this like really uneasy platform in which um, oftentimes creates um, um, not, I wouldn't even say the word complacency. I would say, um, you know, folks are kind of frozen in place because they're not quite sure. They're, they're weighing both, both sides of and often and often what that leads to is, um, is actually inactivity all in and of itself. And so, um, you know, I think um, we got to continue to think about how do we help um leaders equip themselves to effectively navigate these spaces, navigate right. these issues. Um, and then particularly, um, I think one of the harder things, um, obstacles is how do we help, um, you know, transfer once we're enlightened that to a larger swath, our faculty and staff, the people that interact with our children every day, how do we help, you know, train, or I think the better word is word is form. How do we create formation that allows them to be, um, you know, um, true um, progenitors of justice and equity um, and inclusive practices um, that is for the betterment of our communities and particularly for our students. Yeah, no, I uh, totally agree. I, I think, um, you know, it, when you step back a little bit from all this, uh, it, it all sort of comes together because, um, you know, many of us have been raised, and this is where thinking back to how we've all as individuals have been socialized, right? Many of us learn that you don't talk about race at work. Right. Right. You don't talk about politics. You don't talk about race. You know, uh, there's certain topics that you just don't get into with your colleagues. Uh, but oftentimes uh, we spend more time with our colleagues than we do our own families. Right. So if you don't ever talk about race and, and you're not sort of steeped in knowledge of how various communities have been uh, oppressed and marginalized, um, and that history continues to this day, you can easily find yourself isolated and be in a room where people are talking and sharing their experiences and you don't feel like you're equipped to say anything because you just don't, you've never been in that space, you've never engaged in those conversations, it didn't happen in your household, it doesn't happen for you in previous jobs, and so you're just sort of on an island. Um, and I know for a lot of people that can be very scary. I can imagine that would be very scary, but that's what we have to encourage, to your point, uh, Jamal, how do we encourage people to, you know, th this, th the point we brought up earlier around the moment and the movement, the movement continues. And so now, uh, you know, race, 
um, and, and and how, uh, generally speaking, how people have been oppressed and marginalized in various ways, right? All forms of oppression and marginalization, um, you know, the, the, the link to anti-racism, uh, that's not going anywhere, mm-hmm. right? And to avoid it um, makes it much more difficult, right? It's much easier to, um, you know, anybody can type into, um, go to Google and type in anti-racist book list. And, and find books that you can read. Um, and, and, you know, we just encourage people to sort of, to, to embrace this, uh, as difficult as it may seem, uh, it, it makes things much easier because we're in a different place in society. I, you know, Jamal, you and I talk about the post George Floyd era all the time, things have changed. And so, um, you know, I mean, we could probably go on and on about, you know, ways to equip, uh, you know, our leaders to ensure that they are, um, steeped in knowledge or at least gaining knowledge on a regular basis. They stay engaged so that our young people um, aren't, aren't suffering. Um, but certainly fear, shame, guilt, uh, the general lack of knowledge that we see, even about ourselves, right? Pe- people that don't know enough about their own background, their own history, let alone the history of other communities, um, you know, sort of as a result of this backlash and, uh, so, um, you know, we're, 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 as we paired on this conversation around, uh, these issues that have, that have permeated the educational context, um, you know, we, we, we have to think about, uh, if we can recognize the challenge, the challenges, how, how do we deal with them, right? How do we respond to them and ensure that all students, uh, faculty members, staff members, administrators, uh, are seen and valued. Uh, despite these distractions, right? So uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we return, we'll highlight some strategies that we think could be effective. We'll be right back. Are you or your institution involved in ISN campaigns and programming? Become an official member today. Benefits include discounted student, faculty, and individual rates at ISN programs, including the annual Ignatian Family Teaching for Justice in Washington, D.C., along with discounted memberships for Education for Justice, America Magazine, National Catholic Reporter, and more. Find all of the benefits, individual and institutional rates, at igsol.net forward slash membership. That's igsol.net forward slash membership. So we're back talking about ways that we respond to uh, challenges. Um, in other words, how do we assist leaders, administrators, faculty, staff, and and really Jamal? You know, I I, I mean, ultimately uh, students, right? These are the individuals that uh, who are going to be impacted the most if we aren't able to continue this work and do it effectively. Um, how do we assist leaders in you know working through the distractions that accompany uh, uh, DEI uh, and anti racism work? Um, we talked about. Um, in an earlier segment, some of the more uh, common uh, barriers and impediments uh, that make the work uh, more difficult that have made uh, within a higher ed, secondary ed um, space uh, more challenging. How, you know, let's talk about you know some strategies, uh, some tips to keep uh, keep the ball moving forward. What do you think? That sounds good, man. And uh, I guess. Uh, uh, with the uh, fear of being um, 
being accused of being self-promoting. I think that's some of, uh, there's some past episodes that can help in this. You know, I would say, you know, we are always, you and I talking about that. It starts with the self, right? Doing yep. some of that mirror work. And, and, and in yep. episode four, we talked a lot about that idea of like listening and learning and settling into the, the discomfort, um, you know, and, uh, and really trying to make sure that our perspectives and our, our own um, agendas, our own um, biases, um, are at the conscious level so that if they are yeah. causing us to like interact with different things that come our way um, and not allow us to really see the whole picture and, and to see it for all of and respect all of the humanity of those that we encounter, then um, that's a space that we need to like do our own personal work. You talked about it last segment about there's so many, there's so many resources, Googleable from podcasts to books to things you can see um, in, in the YouTube space and things of that sort to, to really help you kind of do that work. And so, you know, do are we living a faith that allows us to extend grace, uh, to see multiple perspectives and to, to really respect the lived experience of people, particularly those that are different than us? And then I would say on a community level, um, I think it's really interesting that we continue to think, um, I, I like to use the word strategic. And the reason I say that is I think that when we say we're being strategic, God willing, that means that we are really trying to have a really wide uh, perspective or open up um, our, our, our options and, and hear from a variety of inputs, not to kind of like have this like small group of folks uh, that are in a think tank that are making decisions for large uh, organizations, but to really hear from people that are experiencing the organization in a way that, um, um, you know, may, maybe, you know, that, that are bringing forth some things that maybe are harmful um, so that we can address them in a way that, again, um, really promotes belonging, that, like, everybody um, who walks into or enters into our organization feels valued, uh, feels whole, and feels like they could be their best selves. Yeah. How about yourself? No, I totally agree. Totally agree uh, with, with all that you offer. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I think it's easy to, I mean, we know this for a fact. It's easy for people to, uh, and it's something that, you know, I, I don't even like to say, but I, I will be direct in saying people people can l- easily lose hope in, in in this work, given the state of, of our, for sure, our country, but I'll also say the world. Um, and, and so I think it's there, there are some some important questions uh, that that uh, this centers on. One is how, how do how do people continuously remain in the mirror? Mm-hmm. Right. How do how do people continue to I mean every day if we're trying to get better, then it's got to be every day. How do people continue to look at themselves and examine their own attitudes, behaviors and beliefs um, and ask themselves, you know, what can amount to some really difficult questions? Right. Sometimes, Jamal, people look in the mirror and they don't recognize what they see. Right. Uh, and then to your point, sometimes the guilt and the shame that comes from that can be one of the greatest, can be some of the greatest motivating factors, uh-huh. right? To get people to think in different ways. So, so how do we stay in the mirror, right? Um, I think, I think the other side of that is if we're in the mirror and you see something you don't like or you don't recognize, it doesn't mean it's over. It, it just means we need to make some changes. Amen. I mean, right. We should be making changes all the time anyway. So how do people stay in the mirror, right? From a personal perspective, you know, how do, how do our schools uh, and institutions remain engaged in the process of adhering to their missions, right? Um, uh, if, if our mission is talking about, um, you know, 
serving and engaging with and, and being uh, welcoming uh, to all of our students, all means all. All means every last one of them. So how do we ensure that that's actually happening? Um, you know, how do we make sure that we keep that at the forefront, despite what the distractions are, right? We can acknowledge the distractions. We just did that. Um, but at the end of the day, the mission doesn't change, right? That, that, that's why we're in this work. Um, so, so how do we ensure that our institutions uh, remember what we're actually there to do um, despite the distractions, to see, to see through the distractions and keep the mission at the forefront? Uh, you know, I think asking ourselves, um, you know, are we engaging in conversations uh, around service and justice, right? Not just leaning on the service side, uh-huh. right? Which is a lot more comfortable for people. Uh, right. we, we, we tend not to have, could there be more, more, could there be uh, more or better quality service in this country? Sure. Uh, but we tend not to struggle. I would argue that we tend not to struggle and our schools tend not to struggle with service issues, uh, you know, right. high school campuses, college. We definitely struggle with justice issues for sure. Amen. Amen. Right. And so, and so are we, are we spending time talking about both of those? Uh, and if we're not prepared, that's, that's that piece about looking in the mirror and saying, you know what? I need to get prepared. I need to, I need to, it's not a bad thing to face the fact that I don't know something or I need to learn something. Or, um, you know, I'm not telling people how to spend their summers, but Jamal, you and I are always talking about new books, podcasts and articles. Um, And so to me, that's what it means to be uh, in the business of getting better. Um, You know, and then lastly, I would just say, you know, I think people asking themselves, you know, everybody has a role in the movement. We've talked about that. And so sort of part and parcel of that is what is what is what are people's individual roles working within their school, their specific professional context, to create an environment that's steeped in equity, right? Where everyone wins. Where everyone wins. Everyone has a role to play. It's not just on the principal, it's not on the the dean of discipline, it's not on the administrators, it's on everyone. Schools move forward um toward the goal of of uh, anti-racism when everyone is moving the school toward toward that goal. Um, so, uh, Jamal, Jamal I'll pass it. it back to you. But, yeah, but I just wanted to highlight those. Things. No, I love it. I love it. And you uh, know, where I'll piggyback is like you know, again, uh, trying to make sure that I center myself and kind of my own reality. You know, I think I think you know we oftentimes talk about you know we've done a lot of talk about people, and I'm gonna again maybe move it a little bit higher up when we think about our our communities and our institutions and our organizations. Right, the their their systems, um, their structures, and, and so I think um, the way that systems and structures operate typically is through the um, through the enactment of policies and procedures. And so I would just say that are we continue to examine our policies, our procedures, our particularly our hiring practices, what personnel do we have engaging with our students, um, and and do those uh, policies and procedures and those personnel promote equity and inclusion? Do they? Do they, um, uh, again, uh, create spaces of welcoming and belonging, or do they exacerbate the marginalizations? Um, and the idea of trying to kind of have sameness, um, and there is, you know, something to be said for, um, you know, having our students um, live in a certain way that allows for us to maximize our efficiency and our ability to be together. Uh, but do those, do those, do those sameness ideas start to trample 
um, and step on people's like personal ability to be their best selves. And so, um, um, I don't, I don't say that the work is easy, uh, but it is most certainly worthwhile. And I would say, as you said, it's summertime, this is time to kind of be looking at handbooks, um, and going through some of these yep. policies and procedures yep. and, and thinking Absolutely. about like, um, again, how we welcome people onto our campuses. How do we, um, hire folks? How do we, um, um, go through our admissions process and invite new students. Um, all those things, I think, um, are we promoting equity and inclusion? Are we promoting belonging? Um, are we exacerbate, um, um, exacerbating marginalization? Would be a question that I would take right now as I think about strategies. Yeah, I, I would, I would, I agree with you. I, I would just, uh, the only thing I would add is just, um, you know, the ability to, for institutions, and in this case, after we're talking about uh, schools, to, to be transparent. Yeah. You know, what, what, what do we stand for? I mean, I know it's 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 linked to that question about mission, but what do we stand for, right? If, if we're going to link ourselves, I mean, I think one of the things that a lot of schools uh, struggle with is this idea that there's the, you know, our Catholic mission, right? And then mm -hmm. there's our, this DEI work, and they see them as two very different spaces. Amen. And, um, you know, I, I would really urge uh, any listeners um, to to see them as the same, that they are, they are one in the same. And so, you know, don't be fearful of the work it's going to take to engage with the Catholic mission and then think, Oh, I'm exhausted. Now I have to do this DEI work. No, they're, they're the same thing. Right. They're the same. Um, you know, recognizing and valuing and listening to and uplifting all students and their human dignity um, is what we're called to do. Um, that is that is the, our Catholic mission, uh, and it all is also obviously rooted in um, uh, DEI and anti-racism work. So they're one and the same. So Amen. the transparency piece is really important. Amen. Heck of a conversation today, brother. I appreciate yeah. this opportunity, and um, and to our listeners, I want to say thank you for joining us again on Just Conversations with Jamal and Nate. Um, again, a reminder, we always are up to hearing your uh, your thoughts, your ideas. Uh, make sure you send us a note um, at justconversations at ignatiansolidarity.net. We're always trying to improve the program. We've had some conversations even a little bit about maybe taking the, the, the pod uh, in some different directions, and, and hopefully we can share some exciting news with you guys in the next month or so. But again, yep. uh, we are here at the behest of our listeners, so please uh, send us a note at just conversations at ignatiansolidarity.net. Um, again, I think Nate always stops me at this point, and I want to make sure I do it this time. Shout out to the ISN staff. Yeah, shout yeah. out to ISN. Yeah, they're always uh, yeah. Yeah, taking care of us. AJ on the board. AJ, uh, the man on the mixing board. We're going to bring him forward. Y'all got to get to know my our, our guy, AJ, and, and uh, I think in the next few episodes, you will get a chance to hear his voice and and uh, and get some of his perspectives um, on this work. Um, that's right. I'd also, in, in that vein, I'd ask you to support the Ignatius Solidarity Network. You know, there's a lot of good work that's being done there. I, I, I know they're hiring new people, which means that, um, you know, money's coming in, but there's a lot of work to do. Now there's a grand total of seven people to work for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. people, people think there's 150 people working for ISN, and it's like a handful of folks. They do amazing, amazing work. Amazing and work. And a, a ton of work. So, I honestly, I just want to, I have to say this. When people go to the teach-in, right, just understand that all of that work is being created by just a handful of, of, of very dedicated staff members. They, they, 
their work ethic is amazing. So just give them some love. Give them a shout out when you see them. Um, you know, stop them. Talk to them. Just tell them what you appreciate uh, the work they're doing because it is a lot of work. I just yeah. want to throw that out there. It's a, it's a small group of people that behave like an army, and it's uh, exactly. it's really cool. So, and if you can help, please uh, donate. So, um, it's easy to go on the website nationsolidarity.net slash donate. Make a donation. And then our last plug, I would say, if you're enjoying these um, conversations and this episode or any of the other ones that we've done, make sure you find us on iTunes and Spotify. Hit the subscribe button so that when new episodes pop up, you will be notified as such. And then we'd be um, honored um, that you share this conversation with others in your life, uh, particularly those engaged in DEI and anti-racism work or people that are new to it or trying to find their way. Um, I hope this is something that could be helpful in their own personal journey. So we look forward to continue to connect with you on this journey. Uh, this is a place of love and growth and our way of being persons with and for others. Be well and God bless. <laughs>